Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. Today's show is brought to you by Renault, official car partner of the GAA. With a proud tradition in Ireland, Renault are committed to supporting those who give everything to the game on and off the field. And after another hard-fought road to Croker, they understand as well as yourselves how important it is to enjoy the journey. That passion for what drives you extends to the time you spend on the road. And with that in mind, head to reno.ie ga for access to special motoring offers exclusive to GA members. And a grain of rice. And a grain of rice. Want to tip the scale. Just remember that, lad. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show that we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. Hi, folks. How are you all doing this morning? Uh, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner 2019 Hurling Podcast. Hard to believe we're at the end of the year. We're here from uh, the Clayton, Burlington. Hotel, Winner's Hotel, uh, fair buzz around the place this morning, fair to say, um, you know, finals are for winning really aren't they, like it's, so it's a fair contrast out in City West this morning but uh, we're here, Jaron uh, and Derek are here, um, hopefully we'll have Ken Hogan along there when he gets the full Irish down his neck in a few minutes but um, funny one lads, a weird finish I suppose, an awful lot of people talking about the sending off, we'll get to that but the second half is kind of... I suppose once the second goal hit the back of the net in the second half, uh, it just seemed to fizzle after that and there was no way back from it really. Fart hit, that's just the way it seemed to me. Yeah, I suppose, no doubt we'll come to the sending off deal as you say, but you know, at half time, the, chan- the, the fact that I suppose a tip had, you know, did 15 minutes to think about their plans for the second half. It didn't happen, you know, halfway through a game or a second half where you kind of have to react to it. They had time to plan it, time to think it out, see what they were going to do. And obviously the tactic of putting Colin Barr back in, uh, back, back, you know, as a sweeper. Kilkenny, you know, didn't change their style any really. They played very much down, down the centre, down trying to lob the ball, down to uh, trying to hit Finley all the time. And they would have been much better off to try to play the wings and keep the ball away from the sweeper. But I think the fact that they had half time, they had 15 minutes to think about it, gave them a chance to plan for the second half. And it was all, they were always going to be up, up against it. Yes, fair contrast there. They were like we said, they had the 15 minutes to talk about it, think about it. Like when John McGrath was sent off in the semi-final and they were nearly in the worst position, uh, tip 
they had to kind of do it from the line in play like I, th- I thought they didn't make a great fist to be honest of the half time uh, in terms of what I would have been saying was let's stay in the game here let's not concede goals I mean the second goal the space for it like uh, and, 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 and let's try and spook tip you know the way they spooked Wexford I, I, I didn't I thought they were you know they might have brought another man back I would have thought and play four forwards to make sure they stayed in the game for another 15-20 minutes but effectively 15 minutes in we were in a situation where it was it was game over like and the irony is Dale, that's what they, they would normally do and and the other irony is that they were keeping the ball in the first 20 minutes when they had 15 men and when 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 situations dictated that they nearly need to keep the ball better, they started reverting to kind of long balls. You know, when they had 14 men, I think that was kind of telling in itself that, you know, that normal kind of, we say John Donnelly and TJ Reid and Walter, that space they were occupying in the middle third in the first half became, there was no kind of, nobody evident in that area then in, in the second half. So, yeah, it's interesting from 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 that point of view. But um, the other interesting thing for me was, I was kind of saying to myself, Jesus, is Carl Barr the right man? To be sweeping, you know, should he be marking? I was kind of, you know, you're in your own head, you're saying, is this a risk? Would you normally free up Paddy Mar? But then I was kind of saying, eerily, they were competing. Perhaps Walter Welsh went in on the edge of the square, and and Fenley was there with Ronan Mar doing such a good job. So it was spot on. But it goes to show how wrong you can be because I was initially I was kind of saying, Jesus Barrett mightn't be the man for this sweeping up. But then I was kind of thinking, Mick Ryan had played him in midfield. He'd play in LIT midfield. He's a horror as well as a marker, you know. And I think that was him. Um, that was very evident in how he played. He had the speed to get across the ground and all the other guys were matched up well. Porig, or Porig Mara come over and Walter Welch was doing well and when Seamus Kennedy was doing better on John Donnelly. So it was like Darry Egan, Tommy Dunn, Eamon and Liam said at half time, listen, what's working for us? Who's the most likely to, you know, all the matchups are working so let's free Carl Barrett. So a good move but Kilkenny a little bit naive I felt. Yeah, and just on that, like, you know, they started right playing long ball in and Barrett was there of course, I put my two feet in at halftime and said, Barry Heffernan will definitely be playing the loose man. <laughs> Thinking he's a halfback. Yeah, you know? there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be the, Marken, <laughs> yeah. Barry, Barry Heffernan would love it, I thought. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, and grew into the game, to be fair to him, in an individual basis anyway. But I, again, I thought that was a result of like the Paddy Deegan long balls in, the one killing Buckley miss hit in. Um, I thought that was a result of the two goals, really. Like, do you know that? They got cut out straight away. A goal after two minutes, 14 men. Then it gets inside the heads. And then you start lumping, do you know? Uh, and I, I, I thought they thought that there was no way of playing through the lines, through the wings at that stage, that they needed a goal, and the best chance of getting a goal was Colin Finley. But of course, Ronald Maher was Marshall, and that superbly, and then with the men in front of him, mm-hmm. you know, down top. And I, I remember in the seventeen final, we chased and back a lead four points, so we started going completely away from our own game as well. You know, we trying to keep the ball there, lumping it in, Galway half hours coming deep down the field onto the break, and all the space seems to be on the other side. So it's probably just a. A case of you wouldn't associate it with Kenny like chasing it, you know what I mean? And 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 when you're chasing it, you tend to kind of make decisions that are probably not the right decisions, but probably natural decisions all the same. Yeah, you're definitely under pressure. Like when you're chasing a game up there, and you know the occasion and, and the atmosphere and everything. All of a sudden, you know you're a man down. They get a couple of goals. You're on five or six, seven points down. Like you know, and it's very hard to keep your composure and keep your you know keep keep to the game plan, but. Over the years, Kilkenny traditionally have been that very direct, very long ball. They don't like playing through the lines, and I think that, you know, I think just the, just a bit of panic. I'd say to you, if you were if you were to ask them this morning, how would like would they would they change it and play it again? They probably definitely would, you know. But I'd say Finley was in there, but like he was on. Ronamar had no standing game. They had big guys inside there, you know. Barry Heffernan, big man, break the ball and go hell about it there to sweep. Well, Chichar, you know, it started so similar to the Limerick game, didn't it? Like we, 
I was there in the box saying, Jenny Mac, this is a replica, like yeah. eight points a three. Yeah. Uh, Colin Finley, I suppose, John McGrath somehow found himself back there. Yeah. In fairness, John McGrath, I thought it was a great bit of impro- improvision because Walter completely outfielded him, charged on goal, Ronan Maher had to come, but he went straight to Colin Finley, smelling, you know, that Walter would have to offload, that Ronan wouldn't let him past him. And a great hook. Oh, the hook was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like to the, in, in that situation, start of a game, you know, if they, if Kilkenny had got a goal, a goal of a start of a match is a huge lift, you know. And it was a it was a fantastic hook. But uh, you know, even though they, they had a couple of chances in this first half, Kilkenny had had two ones or three v twos where they didn't normally. They were content just maybe to tap it over the bar when they had chances for it to go for the juggler when they were on top. And you know, every team gets a gets a spell where you have that. You have your little, you have your golden spell where you're on top, and you know that was highlighted last night again. A couple of chances where they could have went in, could have got a goal or two. And if they got a goal or two when they're ahead, you know it, that might have been pushed on. And the game turned, you know, even last night the the the, the switch as you said, Derek, last night the switch over. Actually, Paddy Mark caught a couple of great balls, um, you know, over Walter Walsh, which is not easy to do. Uh, and then the the as a result, the goal came from uh, from that play that uh, that that Paddy caught the ball. And I think once you felt that they'd got the goal, I think that I think the whole everyone around us was looking like no tip have settled, no they're going to open up, and even before the incident of the sending off, they'd gone a point ahead. The whole game had turned in that fifteen minutes, I think. Yeah, and like I thought, the analysis was great from the tree last night. Derek, to be honest, like it was great stuff, and that was something that you know you you said, party had been comfortable enough on John Donnelly, and mm-hmm. you know but I suppose Shamey Kennedy was struggling a bit with Walter. And he thundered into the match and party likewise. And yeah, yeah. it's a weird one. It's a weird one when you're playing wing back and you get two points and your man gets three points. <laughs> you know, one of them scored already, I think. Like, you know, yeah. I don't think my mother would be too happy with that scenario. She said, what, what's yeah. your man score? Yeah, and I, think I don't care what you scored, you were in the backs. Yeah. <laughs> and Donnie was very influential that first 20 minutes as well. They were just coming as deep as he was. He was getting on a huge amount of ball. And he was kind of setting the template for how Kenny were going about their business. So... Porg was good too at the same time but you know I think Kennedy kind of charged forward and a little bit more as he was over on, on Donnelly and obviously the physical matchup between Porg and Walter was probably more so the interesting one for me was was the Killian Buckley tracking of, of Noel McGrath which is I think we all kind of felt during the week in the run up to the game and how, how wrong we can be that Conor Brown would perhaps would take Noel McGrath's athleticism we were kind of saying he'd picked up Dara Fitzgibbon he'd picked up Keane Lynch will he follow Noel McGrath around the field and then you know, Noel McGrath had a pain in his hand hitting the ball. The amount of possessions he had. And then I was kind of saying to myself, you know, and, and in fairness to Killian Buckley, who was only coming back from a serious injury all year, has nearly chasing form and fitness all year. And I just thought it was a strange one, you know. To, 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 you know, Noel was very, very dominant in that particular battle, I felt, you know. Yeah, we, we touched on it on the pod, in the preview pod, mm. uh, that we thought maybe Tip would have an advantage in the middle of the field with... Like I, I like Brian gets all the plaudits he deserves, and you don't you don't win what Brian has won as a manager. But I just thought like for forty eight minutes, that was sticking out like a sore thumb. Like that, Noel McGrath was nearly running the show around the middle, and Killian was playing chase. He was five four yards off him all the time, and Noel McGrath with four a four yard start. She might as well not go after him at all because he he's not going to waste that space. Yeah, I'd say <clears throat> when we were talking about it during the week, I, I actually felt to go the other way and I said that, that I think he might just went with the experience of killing Buckley yeah. on Noel McGrath rather than the inexperience of, yeah. of playing Conor Brown. But again, I suppose looking back and that you've got to make the call. Hindsight is a great thing that you yeah. can look back and say, maybe we should have done this. But Conor Brown 
has been the man marker for like for in their previous two games. Noel McGrath was the midfielder to, to close down. You know, he was the one to do it. And even though it wasn't working after ten or fifteen minutes, I felt yeah. they could have swapped, you know, fairly quickly, you know what I mean? And say, right, let's give this a go and uh, at least the pressure of having starting having to start on Noel McGrath was off Connor Brown and now he could go on and maybe do a job at him. Um and uh, but uh, you know, it is, this cause we all we're all we've all been in a situation where we make calls before the game, um, and you look at it, you, you try to get the matchups right, and I suppose Tip would have looked at the matchups in the half back line, and it took a little switch, half or two of the first half to make the difference. You know, yeah. In fairness, Conor Brown, Michael Breen started well, like, but Conor Brown did a fair job after that, and I thought battled as hard as he could, put himself all over the place. You know, he might have been on a whole pile of possessions, but I thought he. he battled but of the two hard. players, Dale, there's no doubt McGrath is the way more influential in the team. Oh, like yeah. Breen is. We never work Carson, he works away, gets a couple of scores, but McGrath is the general, he's the man that gets, you know, he's, he's in the middle of spraying the ball. And I think for their own point of view, the influence, you know, his, his brother's up in the forward line, he's his senior player, um, he's a real leader within that team, it looks like, you know, so I think to, the fact that he wasn't closed down, you know, and then when you get into the game, it's very hard to chase it. And then you, he, goes, he was on the ball from the start and his confidence began to soar, like, you know what I mean, so he's a super player. But even 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 during that period, I allow for the conditions as well. No, lads. I mean, they were like the showers were were wicked at times and that. But they had a couple of terrible wides as well, Kilkenny, hadn't they? Like one, like Walter had one, um, Paddy Deegan had one. I mean, you wouldn't see them missed hardly at club level. You know, um, I know conditions were bad, wet, hurly and slippy. But I mean, they really could have been in a Limerick situation at that stage. Um, and you rightly highlighted the switch and Paddy catching that ball and then the goal. And Des- Desi Cahill was sitting in front of me in the box and I just said, Hurling is mad. Do you know? All of a sudden, the whole thing is just turned on its head, really. Yeah, it's... it's, it's and Gerard said it already. Even when they had their foot on their throat, it was most Uncle Kenny, like, with a, with a couple of goal-scoring chances, whether it was John McGrath's hook on, on Colin Fenley or whether it was Richie Hogan had a point and he had Colin Fenley inside him just to maybe throw in a ball at the last the last minute that they would normally go after, you know? And I think it's... And he alluded to it a couple of wides. And... Yeah, look to answer the question. I suppose it's it's just the ebbing and flowing of it. And then when when the sending off came, for me there was an absolute feeling of inevitability. The first time I was at half time in an All Ireland final, saying to myself, "It's over." You know, I, I know that sounds very anticlimactic, but that's the way I felt. Even you know that it was that not that you wouldn't just, the fight that you normally associate with Kenny wasn't evident. It's more so that you felt that at some stage, Tipperary will be able to use this space with the forwards that they have. You know, to to open them up. The problem for Kilkenny is that the the the, the goal, I suppose, came so early in the second half, and it seemed to be, a, uh, you know, teams are accused of down and tools. If you like, you know, normally you would, I would associate with Kilkenny with being a little bit more resurgent than they were in the second half yesterday. Yeah, and it, it kind of went back. We'll touch on the and and send it off in a minute. I suppose we can look at it from all sorts of angles and views and everything. And I must have uh, last night got a thousand different views on it. Anyway, everybody met at a different kind of a way of looking at it, but. Like it, it went like 16 after the sending off, didn't it? The space and the angle balls to Callanan and, you know, they were they were able to just get the run and pop the little balls outside bubbles and that kind of thing. And they just, the array skilled in and, and wrist work that they have then just came completely to the fore. Yeah, I thought, <clears throat> looking down from the stand, um, definitely the Kilkenny half-back then were being, <clears throat> were being dragged up the pitch an awful lot more in the second half. John McGrath went to centre-forward for a period of time, and I think people, again, subtle little changes where he was able to get on the ball, little dink passes when he was receiving it, huge space inside for the full forward line. And we said it all year, these guys are lethal when they get a chance, and, you know, I think bubbles really opened up in the second half, like when they had the space, there was just balls being planted in, because the ball was going up and it was, it was nearly coming back down straight away. It was like ping-pong for a while. Now, tip... 
when they get a chance when they smell blood as well like they put over some they got some magnificent scores they get, you know huge score again in that Iron Final 3.25 like it's fantastic scoring even you know when they started slowly you know in, for the first 10 or 15 minutes they were you know we were looking at like they were out of the game um, but I think the second half little subtle moves letting Brigham McGrath out um, putting bubbles moving in around bubbles went to the wing went into the corner then after that there was just huge space great inside it and I think, I think again Kilkenny probably you know your game plan goes out the window when someone is sent off like that you're mm. not chasing the game and I think that uh, I think like like Derek I was at half time I don't think there was any way back for Kilkenny and like and as you say once the goals went in yeah the direct opposite there I would say and you highlighted last night like was Kelnan's you know could have taken a point probably to push it out to five or six points would lifted the head and, and went for bubbles on the edge of the square and one touch and finish where when Richie got that ball, Finley was gone inside and a little, you know, yeah. throw off a pass there. There was a goal. There was that little yeah. difference in, in them yesterday. Yeah, and I think we used to try and, try and do that more. We used to call it the extra pass. When you have a handy point on, have a quick little glance for the, the extra pass. We didn't, there wasn't much huge evidence for us over the years. But even if you go back to earlier in the year, you know, you had Bubbles pass to John McGrath when the handy point was on against Cork. You know, you had Jamie Cannon's pass, I think, to Jason Ford against ourselves in Waterford. Just this handy little hurling pass. Even the first goal yesterday, uh, John McGrath and Jason Ford have a little bit of interplay. There's a handy point on. Next minute, they smell a bit of blood and Jamie Cannon ends up, you know, getting the goal off. And yesterday again, Jamie has a handy point off his left just as a quick glance. And I think that's, you know, apparently the, the hallmark of, of Eamon and, and Tommy Dunn's kind of whole kind of, you know, mantra around around looking for that extra pass for goals. But they're assassins. They have the players to be able to execute those, you know, those finer skills, if you like. And uh, I think there's a lesson in it for all teams that, you know, you have a handy point and next minute the extra pass comes. And even even on the whole bubble situation, I felt, again, looking at it, I was very lethargic in the first half. I thought to myself, Jesus, he's not right. Like, you know, he had a point, he had a shot from his left-hand side, or left-hand side over the left-hand side in the first half. I think it drifted wide and he got the next ball and he kind of ran with it a bit. It looked like he had too much time Michael Dugan said, "You know, he had too much time off." But then, when he got the point from the sideline in the second half, you know, it just settled him. And when they hum like a very hard to counter. If you talk about <coughs> that extra pass, Derek, like the skill level, you know, the, the ball of Shane Cannon hit, hit off the ground, yeah. wet day, like the control of it. Yeah. It was absolutely brilliant. He killed it, didn't take it into his hands and put it away. Like you know, I, I just, I think sometimes we can we can kind of overlook the, how you know it looks so simple, how hard that is to make to control that ball, the edge of a square. You know, in, in a split second, you take your eye off it. It's gone. The chance is gone, and like he's been doing it all year. I just, just he's got, he's got fantastic hands. But as you said, to be able to, like we saw Shane McCallum, just quick look, and he he played it to him. Like he he did, that ball carried oh, yeah. pace, yeah. and it went in there, and it was absolutely you know the control of it, touch, great goal. Like you know, so it was. Uh, uh, he's been doing it all year. Like as you said, that extra pass has been a, has been the hallmarker tip. And like yeah, he like we've seen that that ball played across and. Uh, been butchered so many times yeah. by Conor Forrest <laughs> and then you're on the sideline you're saying why did you put it over the bar yourself but when you have a guy like Bubbles inside like you know that's the difference that's a bit like you get the goal against Cork as well that's kind of come from the same side the goal the ball came across from Catlin uh, or the game against Cork from uh, from John Edward to John McGrath again when it's finished off, it looks so simple. People say, isn't that brilliant? Like, but to be able to not take your eye off the ball and not lose control and, and be able to finish it, hallmark of a great player. Yeah, glad to say we're, we're joined after the scrambled egg uh, <laughs> by, the, by, the, by the great Ken Hogan and Lana. As we all, we all old, old Murray Hurtig used to say, Ken, was the scrambled egg nice? It was a scramble, all right. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a scramble down there all day. Well, with Larry Wrangler, it was a fair scramble to get down here, I can tell you. <laughs> uh, first of all, huge, huge congratulations, Ken. Uh, you know, there's... There, 
I know I've 28 of them now, like, but uh, they're sweet when they come along, aren't they? You know, no matter what. Uh, I see a couple of papers this morning, people on about back-to-backs. I was saying, who gives a living shite this morning about back-to-backs? <laughs> you just, you have that Liam McCarthy and that's all that counts. Sweet feeling. Yeah, that's all that counts. And uh, most of us have lost more than we've ever won. I can tell you that, and you, as, you will, as you well know. But you're all from successful clubs, but... You know, when you come from Laura, we're right up there between Borum Pertum and it is sweet, you know, victory for everybody. But I suppose yesterday was, you know, an amazing day. The weather conditions, you know, were crazy uh, at, at times. And then obviously the incident with Richie, which, you know, was unfortunate, uh, changed the course of the game. Probably, you know, every hurling man would, would acknowledge that. And uh, but tips display in the second half, you know, tour de force, really. And uh, you're mentioning bubbles there. I was talking to bubbles last night, and uh, Shamey said to him afterwards, "Remember that now, bubbles. I give you that one." <laughs> you, in 2016, bubbles got a brilliant goal, and if you remember, bubbles ran through for a goal right afterwards, and he should have thrown to Shamey, oh, yeah. and he didn't give it to him. He didn't give it to him. So he says to bubbles, "Remember that. I give you that one." So uh, bubbles is like a proud peacock here to, uh, last night walking around getting that goal that pass from Shamey I tell you them, them forwards never forget do they never you know, they don't, never. They don't like it's even, even even yesterday off air um, the 2008 final where Kilkenny absolutely put on this massive display against Watford painful one Derek no sorry for bringing it up again but I was on the panel the Sunday game that night and we we couldn't really pick a man in the match it was such a complete display so we gave it to the Kilkenny team but Brian Cody accepted it and, and Shefflin says to me yesterday, oh yeah, that was the one you gave to Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Did you expect it yourself, Henry? It still, it still lingers. It still lingers. It still lingers. But come here, um, what, what is it with the young lad in Hawkeye there? What's going on there? <laughs> yeah. Is there an appeals committee or anything you can or, go to? Or what is it with Hawkeye in Tipperary? I don't know what it is. But, um, well, he was adamant last I saw the two yeah, years. Last he, seems to be ad- he seems to be adamant. As I said to Brian afterwards, just Brian, you could be wrong, you know. But um, he seems to be adamant that because he said, I was making full sure that I wasn't behind the line or the hand wasn't behind the line. And, do you know, he actually spoke to me. We were out in the garden there on Saturday and he said to me, you know, we we're talking about catching ball. And he, I said, you know, he, he said someone had mentioned maybe bring the ball down to Hurley. And I said, no, Brian, you don't bring the ball down to Hurley. And I said, keep catching, keep catching. Like, it's absolutely amazing coincidence that it happened again. Yeah. Like, you know, Groundhog Day. And I suppose from his point of view, he did pull down one in the second half with the Hurley. Yeah. I suppose he had learned his lesson. But he, he said he was, I said, Jesus, Brian, you looked, you know, bemused. You were sort of smiling after it. And he said, Dad, I was fit to cry. You know, he was fit to cry because when it happens a second time, as Jerry, you know, in the goals, it can affect your confidence. You know, you can say, geez, what's going on here? Are, are the gods against me? Yeah. But thankfully it worked out, you know, in, yeah, in the end. I know the play didn't go on for 32 seconds this time. <laughs> but I have to say, everyone around me was staring at James Owens to see would he get a signal. Like, because obviously it's a far end of the field where we are. And uh, you don't really know. I mean, you, you, you sometimes you look at the monitor when it goes that far up. But it, to me, it didn't look anything like as clear cut as the last one. But those gas... At least this time there was no goal buried in the back of the net down the other end anyway. And it was a knock. It was enough out the field yeah. play going on at the time. Like, but uh, yeah, it's, it's gas. Uh, look, the sending off I suppose is huge. Something I'm sorry about yesterday is that we didn't highlight the, the tackle Kyle Barrett put in on on um, Richie Hogan earlier. The one he went to control and he's hurly and he came around and he actually caught him on his nose. Now, I say the reason we didn't highlight it was there was no yellow card awarded for it. Like, so... But I'd say there might have been a bit of that in the in the system. Human nature and the heat of the battle and being what we are. 
might have been in there in our heads a bit that Richie said, oh, you got me, like, you know, and we could see a couple of verbals between them at that moment, and maybe that led on, and I, something I felt we should, should have highlighted anyway at halftime yesterday, uh, I suppose halftime goes so quickly in that studio between they're doing this bit of analysis, that bit of analysis and everything, and uh, hard to cover everything, and obviously the sending off had to be covered deeply, but I thought there was something we should have looked at. I mentioned in today's column, all right, that he was a bit lucky earlier on. Probably wasn't the red card now, to be fair to it. But uh, it was a high tackle or, uh, you know, face guard high pull, really. I just know, I just, I think just, I, I for this, this morning was the first time that I saw the incident that you're talking about because it wasn't, being at the, being at the game, you don't, you don't say anything back. And, and last night it wasn't highlighted. Only Cyril said that, you know, you know, he mentioned the thing of retribution of what had happened. And we didn't see it, but the minute you see it this morning, that's a definite yellow card. Yeah. That's a definite yellow card. I hadn't seen it up to now. Yeah, and, and the answer maybe lies in the fact that it's a yellow card as opposed to a red. So, you know, you, we talk a retribution, you talk about a fella's gander being up on the back of a bad tackle, yeah. But I think, ultimately, there's a difference between the two tackles in that Carl's tackle at best, in my opinion, was a yellow card, whereas Richie's tackle was a red card. So, the anal- or the comparison, you know, while it's, while it's relevant, I suppose, in terms of a fella's mindset, I don't think it's relevant in terms of saying that you know, Carl should have been sent off, or you know, initially. Oh, no, I know, you know, I know, I know. I'm not saying that, but no, I just, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's, well, it was it's a relevant. Factor, I think it's it's a factor in terms of a guy's reaction or Richie's mindset heading into the tackle. I think you know, heading into the tackle where he was sent off for. I think as opposed to a factor in the overall flow of the game in terms of whether it should have been equaled out. For me, at best, it was looking at Carl's tackle. Albeit he he clips him across the face guard. I think it's more of a genuine attempt to play the ball with the hurl than I think Richie's one is just. You know, it's it's just it's it's a nailed on kind of red card. Yeah, what what saved him? In my opinion, I was well, he should have got a yellow. I think for sure. But what mm. saved him was that Richie didn't take the ball in his hand. He controlled it on the hurley, and it went out from him, and he t- went to take it back in with the hurley. So if you were the defender coming from behind, your natural instinct is to get a flick in, mm. and of course sometimes that can come up across the face guard, and mm. that that's what happened. I think, but I thought it was just important that maybe we pointed mm. out today because. Yeah. It got little enough coverage, you know. I, I actually saw Billy Keane commenting on it. And <laughs> he's probably watching it down Listowel nice and <laughs> nice and chilled out. He was on about the Listowel races and stuff. But uh no, look, the sending off then I suppose like and on the on the stroke of half time, I suppose all but um and we, we, we touched on it before you came in, Ken, we said, you know, that we never were at an All Ireland where we felt it was an inevitable that the result was only going to go one way after a sending off. And yet Tip had a men send off in real time against Wexford when they were in trouble in the game and, and adjusted. Um, but the sending off, harsh, real time, what what was your thinking on that? I know you've probably the benefit now of replays now, like, but at the time, you, you, I presume you were up doing commentary with Yeah, and, and the monitor was in front of me. Okay, same here. And it was only when I saw the back of Richie coming towards Cahill. That's when I saw a sort of uh, the elbow raise, you know what I mean? Um, I didn't see it in real time, but once you saw the comment, you know, from behind when you saw Richie coming in, you said, oh, genie, you know what I mean? You said straight away, because we know Richie's a little genius. He's a great hurler. He was frustrated. He'd done a brilliant weave and run, and normally he'd slap it over, and it went wide as well. And, uh, you know, Brian Cody looked at Rate on the sideline because Richie always seems to get the rough end of the stick as well from, from Brian. And it was amazing that it actually happened under Brian's nose, right out beside him. And you're, you've often seen it yourselves when, you're, when the mentors are on the sideline or when the manager's on the sideline, you're right beside him. You want to go that, that little bit harder 
and tougher and you know what I mean that intensity was there because Richie you know an absolute magician with the ball you know what I mean and an absolute great hurler and it was definitely frustration Anthony it was yeah. definitely frustration that caused it you know but you mentioned about being inevitable then like funny enough I saw Sean O'Brien warming up after 25 minutes and I think not being um, an absolute expert or foreseen I think Seamus Kindy was in bother at that stage and John Donnelly John Donnelly has got two great points and Seamus actually had turned his back to one of the puck outs and John caught it over his head and Sean O'Brien and the next thing Seamus flew up the field and got a, a tremendous point mm-hmm. and then after that Seamus Kennedy was contender for man of the match mm-hmm. so as you well know it's a break of a ball it's just one break in the game that gets you into the game and you know Barry Heffernan you know we met Roney and all the boys from their unbelievable party but like Barry Heffernan the catches Seamus Kennedy in the second half they were they're absolutely awesome, yeah. you know. Once they settled, like, I mean, even Barry, when he came out with that early ball and him passed it straight <laughs> to TJ, you're saying, is this for having All-Ireland mayors here? Like, and it looked to be going Kilkenny's way, but, like, Jerry, you, you, in real time, I suppose, you definitely, I, I, I was beside Shefflin. Desi was in front of me, Shefflin was beside me, and, uh, like, in real time, I didn't, because from where you, the RT box is, as you know, Derek, you're, you're literally on the line with it. And I said, yellow, yellow here, and you uh, and then the monitor and the first three angles you couldn't really say but it was that angle where it's coming from the Cusick stand side and you, right. Richie's back is Toyo that I thought that the elbow definitely was raised in the last second Jerry you didn't, you didn't think it merited uh, a red in real time I, we were up in, the, up in the upper Hogan stand right right above the incident and but I suppose again the frustration from a, from a spectator's point of view at the match yesterday they didn't replay the incident and nobody saw it until, based until after the game because you didn't see it at half time after the game, it was only that fourth angle that you'd see the 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 the, uh, the, um, the elbow on the shoulder, you know, having to go for it. I just think that, you know, it was split second. It was absolutely split second. He, I think, taking into all the stuff that Ken said about retribution and the point that he'd missed and all that, you know, he he was on the line, like you know, he was looking for a reaction, and he went to he went to take Cahill, shoulder him over the line, and and the whole thing would have been lifted right in front of Cody as it is, and it only takes it just a split second. The conditions, the rain had come down. It's like it's just I just thought I just thought the time thought was very harsh and I just think that you know from the point of view of that there was other instances in the game as well and back over the years as Derek's going to say later on you know there's other ones that have um, that have that have got away you know what I mean but to the letter of the law I suppose and at the start of the year there was an introduction of head high tackles but uh, I just at the time when I saw the, the the fourth the fourth angle last night well yeah but I thought it was very harsh at the day yeah I'd like, I'm, I was just saying I met so many people last night went up to the Boar's Head RT had a bit of a a wrap up party obviously I'm so fresh looking now this morning that I, I didn't stay long <laughs> like, you know but um, <laughs> Darren Frell was so impressed with me going away early he wanted me to do the news at half seven this morning with him I said Darren go away <laughs> but uh, no like you know everybody had an opinion on it and lads saying it ruined the game and I, I just I have to, you kind of have to take away that from it don't you but we discussed before you come in Ken we, we're using all the old bit of technology we have here with the iPhones and we were looking back at the call Barrett tackle on and then your man here is able to produce the 2008 tackle by, <laughs> by, by Larry on, on Owen Murphy yeah. which is nearly a, a replica of yesterday yes, it's probably nearly the exact same um, tackle um, 2008 Davy um, wired on the line if you like and Waterford wired playing Tipperary took him down the semi-final and Lar a very kind of innocuous kind of high a head high tackle if you like on, on Owen Murphy Owen Murphy's panned out in the ground Dear McCarran uh, awards a yellow if you like. but look look I think that it's moved on to so much conjecture and debate about refereeing styles now that the head high thing was well flagged. 
you know, it was well flagged at the beginning of the year. Porig Mars tackle on, on Tony Kelly resulted in the straight red, I think, the first round of the league this year in, down in Thurles. Now, the other argument against that would be, has there been incidents during the year where fellas have been hit head high and not received a red card? I think it was one with Peter, involving Peter Casey and, and, and Ronan Mar. I think, in one of the games. You know, uh, in the most final. Was it the most yeah. final? I can't remember. You know, so you're looking for that level of consistency. But I agree with Gerard. First time I watched it, you know, I said to myself, Jesus, no, no. But when you watch it, the third or fourth angle, whatever it is, it's, it's a conclusive red for me. And uh, I think it's the right decision. I think it's the, it was the right decision. In, and, you know, we talk about we should have taken the conditions into account, we should take the, the, the day itself into account and that it ruins the day, but ultimately I think it was it was still the correct decision. Yeah, and I suppose, look, as we touched on just before King came in, the, the two goals early in the second half, really then, if you were a neutral and you wanted to get on to the M50 before the, the two sets of supporters, you could nearly have gone and looked like there was no way back. You'd call, and I mean, we speculated on who the sweeper might have been like back there, but they made a great call and Cahill, he did it superbly. Like he, I thought it might have been Barry Heffernan. Mm-hmm. You were saying Derry Cool. You could put Ronan Mara there. Yeah, you could Ronan put Ma- Bernard yeah, Mara, yeah. Parik Mara, any one of those would be Parik, well, yeah. well comfortable yeah. playing, that, playing the sweeper. Was outstanding at it, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, well, Ronan had an important job, Gerald. He I had, mean, yeah. He yeah, was yeah, there yeah, on Digital yeah. Square. It was a big call. A lot of Tipperary people would have said, don't risk, don't, you know, sacrifice Ronan at full back. You know, because we need him out in the half back line. But again, Brendan was out in the half back line. Responsibility there with Seamus Kennedy then to sweep up behind Paddy. But um, do you know, I'm, you maybe have harped on it before I came in. But uh, when Tipper in big bother, I have to take my hat off to Bill O'Mara, as we call him. He's affectionately known as Bill. It was an unbelievable goal. He showed great lead Rodri to go and head for that net. He turned in, he turned out, and he put it away brilliantly. Because Bill has played five to fifteen. Uh, with tip minors, twenty one seniors, and he he he'd be the first to admit he's not a great finisher, but it was some finish, and tip needed that injection just at the right time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was passing out um, a little challenge match on Saturday there uh, between Kimakoda and Burr and I was passing out towards Boris Kane. I see a big picture of I don't know you call him Bill now, but Nile yeah, up, yeah, up there yeah. uh, in Kilran country. I suppose. Our crony, our crony, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't get caught speeding there. You're <laughs> <a big> <laughs> but you know, I was only saying it. I was only saying it when I, when I met when I met Richie Stakelum, when I met Richie Stakelum um, uh, at the. And that's coming from you as well, Ken. I, 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 that's going to stick in my crown, I will tell you. It'll be off the, off the accelerator, Dale. Who's controlled, Dale? Fishing the ball. Uh, and, I, and I see the speed van, I say, oh boy, Ken. Who's controlled, Dale? Still caught, no doubt. But if there was no speed van there, I'd get caught. But, but um, yeah, I saw a massive picture of him up, and I just sent to Richie when I got to the match. How big is Kilran McDonald's? I was saying to him, like, yeah. do you know, I would have associated it with it being the other side of Nina, if you like, and that way, but it goes right across that side, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Tom Malachny country. He was ill. He, they mentioned him yesterday. He's, he, he played in the 60s. That's Tom Malachny country, our crony, you know, and they have a little pitch there on the side as yeah. you pass by there as well. But um, Bill, you know, to score that goal at the critical time, when, like, I mean, we were looking at 23, 24 minutes because I, I was only there... Uh, as analyst at half time, so I was really observing what's going on. I said, No score from play here from our, our forward line, yeah. you know. And uh, I said, What's going to happen next? Where are we going to get this score? And you know, you need that yeah. decisiveness, yeah. Yeah. What, it, what, was, what was so impressive for me was that it's one Murphy's top tax keeper. And from a keeper's point of view, once that ball hit the deck in the conditions, 
it's just absolutely fluent in it. He had no chance of stopping it. Like, and whether it was meant or whether it was, whether it was unintentional or whatever. It was, it was just after the big but shower to hit the ground, as well. It was after to hit the, the ground was conditions. brilliant. It meant it was absolutely from a... It showed he was thinking, you know, from a, because uh, hard to beat on Murphy like from when the ball is in the air. What I loved about it as well, George, Jason Ford had a big part to play in it as well. Because yeah. like, Jason Ford could have, you know, taken two steps to the right and had a shot for a point and possibly would have scored it with his skill set. But he said, something on here. Got it inside to him. Now, he had an awful lot to do when he got it, but... What I thought was awful clever was he jinked to the right first, yeah. which is his strong side, obviously. Then he went back to the left and Conor Fogarty says, I have him where I want him now, even though Conor Fogarty was kind of all over the shop in terms of where his body language, you know, he was just caught like uh, wrong-sided. But then he got back onto his strong side on the run and was, uh, the finish like a low bullet. Yeah, and it's, a, it's something we talked about Saturday or during the week, not the supporting cast, you, you always associate tip, you say to yourself, four, John McGrath, Bubble, Jamie Callan, the four assassins, and then a fella p- pops up on All-Ireland Day, perhaps unexpectedly, like Niall O'Mara, you know, and, and Dan McCormick, be like kind of working all around the field, but O'Mara, very dangerous for, I mean, go back to the league game this year, where, where Tip played Cork, they, I think they'd come back from a week in Spain, and they obliterated Cork in, in Parky Ring, I think. And Omar was very strong that day. I think he's a very underrated player, you know, a different mm-hmm. kind of, very direct and sets up a lot of play. And it's good to see a fella have his day on, on the day of a final as well that perhaps hasn't been as heralded in the run-up to the final. And he probably would have struggled to make the team if they had Bon Omar available to yeah. him. He probably would have yeah. been in starting 15. It's probably him or Dan fighting for that spot, would it? If yeah. Bonner would... Without, without Bill, Bill actually uh, went off the panel last year. Uh, through frustration with injuries and not getting an opportunity and he was you know totally frustrated because he's a real heart in the sleeve guy you know what I mean and Derek you summed it up great because you have your artists and your stylists and you have these guys that can do the things that nobody else can do but uh, we needed someone to funnel in for Bonner and build it that you know with huge aplomb but uh, overall like you know Mikey Breen getting the pint early on because Mikey had a stop start to your things weren't going for him and didn't get into two yellows against Leash. You know, it was after coming on, and it was a big call for Liam Sheedy to put Mikey in there again. Listen, Mikey, we have faith in you, you know. And he scored the, the huge pint, and he made one magnificent fetch. And it was one thing, I suppose, in local circles the whole year, uh, people were talking about Tip. Nobody's catching the ball out of the air. Nobody's catching the ball out of the sky. What's going wrong? But yesterday, you know, himself, Barry, Seamus, Kennedy, Paddy, Roney, they were all flying out under the dropping ball, attacking it with venom, you know, and... You know, overall, I suppose, it's just tip the Wexford game, lads, whether we like it or not, it's, it was the big changing point. Awesome. It was the big changing point for this team because it gave them that impetus, that belief, and that that trust in each other that we, no matter what happens, we were going to do it, you know. Yeah. Huge doubts there in that match, John McGrath going off. I suppose there's a moment in every player's mind on that field at that stage saying, we're gone here unless... Unless, like, and living in the moment now, just yeah. that moment, there's John McGrath, one of our talisman. He's a goal getter for us. He's our, our main man inside in lots of ways. Now, of course, you have Shane, you know, yeah. there's a lot in there, but John McGrath, he's gone like, I, like, fellas had to look at themselves so hard there. The management as well, the changes they made, it really was a turning point in the season. I know they did the heavy lifting early on yeah. in Munster, mm. and they made sure last year wasn't going to happen to them again this year. They did drop a bit you know which is I'd say part and parcel of the system now we talk about that in a minute that you can't keep up full throttle nearly all, all season with this system did but you mention Johnny McGrath's hook by the way oh we did we did we I'm actually sure you did we did we did because yeah. we said what was he doing there number one <laughs> but he was, he was we said 
it was brilliant that he realised that Walter would have to offload and he went straight for Colin Fenley. He mentioned you know? it last night to me actually that he actually lost the ball because he just lost that's why he went back. Walter caught it over his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. So he lost it and he had to go. He said, I knew there was trouble and that's the only reason he's, <laughs> he was back there, you yeah. know. But be able to execute it just goes to show Play a bit of everything, Lockmore, don't they? A bit of hurling, oh. bit of, I'd say, a bit of football. He finds himself in that situation. Yeah. I'd say maybe could be a wing back in the football, is he? <laughs> Midfielder actually. Go yeah, yeah. We, we we talked about if I come in, Ken, just to say we we have to go back to it a little bit, like how Kilkenny became so one dimensional in the second half. I think the stat was twenty two pucks out puck outs, and they only retained four in the second half, which was kind of amazing stuff, really. Like they didn't, you know, they didn't like say from where Tip worked it against Wexford you know they yeah, moved yeah. with each other they kind of swarmed up the field short passes pop passes got it to the shooters which is a mm. huge thing in the game at the moment didn't they get it to the shooters some guys aren't shooters like you yeah. know you wouldn't have associated Jamie Kennedy now maybe with a shooter and he has his day yesterday and that lob has happened but in general you get it to the Noels and the Shamies and the Bubbles and that but Kenny just seemed to they went for a goal we, had, we need a goal it became all about Colin Finley mm. and really Ron and just had to do his job you know, he did it brilliantly but but he didn't have to win it even clean he knew Colin was there in front of him yeah and Brendan mentioned it today as well about the puck out strategy and if you're talking to Eddie you know you know, and obviously they're, they have huge respect for Brian but there's, all, there's only one plan you know if you ever say to Eddie what's plan B there's no plan B can it's it you know win at all costs and Right through the years, they they had that belief in themselves that they could do the business, win the dirty ball, win the hard ball, take their scores when they needed them. And it seemed that way yesterday, and Derek, I suppose you'll be a master tactician, it seemed that way yesterday that there was no plan B, whereas Tip obviously regrouped at half time, and you know that's where the backroom team come in in a big way. And that's where I think Eamon O'Shea would have come in in a huge way because he he would be a master tactician as well as regards setting up the team and saying, now this is the way we're going to play. And an interesting thing on that was what I noticed on the sideline was, and we all associate Eamon O'Shea with this creation of space. He He's below on the, the backs. backs. Same from the very start of the match yeah. in Cork this year. Yeah, he was yeah. the, like, just, just, I spotted the same thing. He was done with the backs. And normally you see Eamon O'Shea up, obviously looking for space and all that. Obviously his role, whatever it is, whatever in the group, he was down in front, outside the half-back line, all through the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, well, I thought especially, because he was nearer to me, I suppose, in the second half, that he was down, you know, even talking to Brian about the puck outs, talking to Noel McGrath to make himself available, Carl to make himself available, and they, they worked it very well from there, like, right through. Yeah, and the other thing is the versatility. You know, Barry Heffern going in corner back on AJ Mullen, you're kind of saying to yourself, Will he be comfortable there? And then he just, you know, he laps it up, if you like. And and there's an incident at the end of the game where Shamie Kennedy takes off in a sprint against Billy Ryan. And he absolutely just glides past Billy Ryan, who's, who's a flyer. So I think there's been an injection of pace into the Tipperary backline with Kennedy and Heffern as well. You know, I was saying to myself, even in the run-up to the game, they played Heffern and they played Shamie Kennedy the last day and they, they, they omitted James Barry because they know Kevin Foley is going to be free, we say. So they don't know they're going to have a free man against Wexford. And now, will they change it? Will they go back to Barry? The versatility with Ronan and going back to full-back. You know, I saw him playing against Ballygunner in the Munster Club there last year at full-back as well. So, he'd, he, you know, and, and, and being able to kind of marry that with still charging forward from the half-back line, I think that was key for me as regards Tipperary. And, and just... Ah, look, they have the hurlers as well. They have the players once they flow and once they hum, like they're 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 a serious outfit, you know. Yeah, you you one of the first pods we did this year, 
you you said that uh, we'll we'll go on him now. Uh, you said that Liam Sheedy said like that they were fifth in Munster at the moment, and you started <laughs> laughing in the studio down in Cork. You they said fifth who's Paddy Powers? <laughs> <laughs> they were no Paddy Powers. Was the only one was on to then yourself. <laughs> no, and listen, look, it wasn't in any way. I mean, I, I just, you know, I think she, Liam Sheedy, and you know him better than me. And I, I, I wrote about it saying that he was in with us at De La Salle in two twelve when we came down, came down for the county final. Just unbelievably inspirational man, leader. I mean, we all know that. But I think Brendan Cummins said something last night that it was a calculated risk on his behalf. He would have known as well that the general perception is that Tipperary had a low ebb. So I can drip feed the media now on this, you know, we're outside months if we didn't qualify last year. You know, I heard the word doldrums last year. I wouldn't accept that. I think it's probably a little bit of an insult to Michael Ryan in terms of last year. You know, Jake Morris gets that goal last year against Clare and we could be talking about Tipperary being in an all final this year. So sometimes I think we can... We can contrast too, kind of yeah, harshly, you know. And that's one in not sixteen, with, uh, and Joe Kenning's famous point in seventeen. Yeah, with, so. with, with, and that's been absolutely respectful to what Leem has done. One thing I would say is that, yeah, so they drip feed that kind of thing. Oh, we're outside the top five, and I'm saying to myself, hang on, Jamie Callan, John McGrath, uh, Bubbles, Jason Ford, and two other forwards. I said, Jesus, this is serious enough, and a re-energized team with Leem coming in. And I think there's also Leem's whole. You know, nine years out of it, what has he done? You know, man, uh, you know, chairman of the Institute of Sport. I think you have to look at the Tenny, the Tenio role in terms of, well, like when they were announced as a sponsor to, to, to Tipperary, I think the Tipperary cha- chairman said they're not just a jersey sponsor, they're a strategic partner. And I'm not equating it now with success or money with success, but I'm making the point that there seems to be a kind of real joined up thinking in terms of, you know, hard work, but a professional business template. And it gleams art of delegation. You know, trying to, you know, ma- not manage, you don't have to manage, O'Shea, Tommy Dunn, Dara Egan, Owen Kelly, all managed under one umbrella. Brilliant delegator, obviously, and him leading the whole thing. I think there's a there's a lesson for everyone in that. Yeah, and Jar, you know, um, that old stupid comment I always thought I would never go back. He's gone out the window anyway, definitely, with this one, isn't it? Yeah, but I, as, as Derek said, like... Uh, so Derek should be getting ready there, should he? <laughs> what about Dale? Get your own boots. <laughs> yeah, but I just say, it was probably calculated in the context of going back. Like, there's still great players there, and he obviously had an affinity and an affection for those guys. And probably, you know, having one another with those guys, it probably would have hurt them over the years that, you know, they weren't getting the recognition that, that, that they should have gotten. Their character was questioned over the years, and he still obviously saw that they're, they're not old in, in, in age terms, like, you know I mean? but hurling them is a lot of experience behind him but I think it was crucial yesterday I think straight after the match he went he didn't go to Cody he went straight up he called Eamon O'Shea Tommy Dunn and Darry Egan together to form together so it was very it was very much the collective in that point of view obviously he's in charge but he, he surrounded himself with some with, you know, with great people great coaches and it was very much the, that unity it felt was, was absolutely huge and obviously with Brian he probably tells you nothing anyway, Ken. But <laughs> you, you might, you might have some. You know, you probably have a closer knowledge of you know the setup and the the, the commitment level and the the, the the single bloody single mindedness of them in the year. Like. Yeah, an amazing trust with, with within the group, and you you um you're you're well and aware now. But like particularly Brian, as a son, he he doesn't tell you too much. But his admiration for the lads and his respect for the lads, and like you mentioned, Liam second coming, but. Tommy done second coming as well, lads, as a coach. And, you know, I had Tommy as a coach with the 21s in 210, Jer, and uh, I was blown away by him, by his intensity, his willing to work day and night, bringing guys in for extra sessions. And you mentioned the group, uh, Derek, like there was a group of almost 40 players there. Conor Har- Harmonsley done his ACL last 
November, the very first training session on the 16th of November. And he could have said, thanks, Connor. Good luck now. I hope you get, get well and get your rehab done and you're up. We'll look after that. No, he was kept there right through Patrick Bonner. You know, a huge influence on the situation. But Tommy Dunn, the Saturday sessions with the 14 guys that weren't involved were even tougher than the sessions during the week. The lads would tell you that. And, you know, one or two of those guys came flying through. Seamus Kennedy was part of those Saturday sessions. Uh, Mark Kehoe, you know, Ger Brown. And eventually it paid off for those lads and it'll pay off for somebody else, you know. We didn't see Jerome Cahill yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, they have a big weekend ahead of them as, as well. But I'm so thrilled for uh, the Tommy Dunn's. Uh, Sheedy mentioned last night, you know, he walked into... He, he found it tough enough to get management at the start he, that he walked into the school with Darry Egan into the National School and Darry is a principal now at 33 and he couldn't believe the presence he commanded in the school the way he walked around and the presence he had and the respect he and he said I'm onto a good thing here even though Darry's only 33 you know so from that point of view as you mentioned you know that background team the strength of his background team paid huge dividends you know uh, you know when it came to the business end of the championship yeah, well, I was I was lucky enough to have Tommy for two seasons with the Dubs and I handed over the coach and I'd been coaching oh, 9, 10, 11, 12 and then I got Tommy I think about February of 13 and like I thought Ryan O'Dwyer was on some TV or radio station on Saturday as well I was listening to him and uh, he says well the way it was with Tommy this is the way O'Dwyer had said of course if it was a shooting drill and it was your goal like, and you missed your first touch you didn't get a chance to go over and pick it up again. You were out. Get out. Get back to the back of the line. You will get a chance again the next time round. You know, and uh, that's that's that'll be Tommy and uh, myself and John Milan himself would have taken the Railway Cup in the last couple of years of it. I know you wouldn't get much training done with the Railway Cup, but even myself and John were blown away with the. You know, he had him doing um, puck out uh, games one night. Anthony Nash in one goal, Darren Gleeson in the other goal, and you had to hit a zone in the half forward line for play to continue and it was a tough enough night now and Darren was into the wind in Morris Park and he failed to make it a few times out out he says Nash you're, you're you know and probably Nash maybe had had the advantage of the wind and I was just zero tolerance of this is the standard this is the standard you get to I mean this was three Wednesday nights before the Railway Cup was all we were doing but that was Tommy that was Tommy and that's that was his way of, of doing it yeah and I think the you know, you look on the outside and Eamon O'Shea has heralded so much and after the bother Tommy that Eamon O'Shea gets heralded. But I think, you know, sometimes a, a fella's role can be, be underrated within the setup as well. But yeah, look, great man. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant man. Just on a personal point of view, Ken, like being an analyst yesterday and having a son on the goal, what's the feeling going through? You know, I'd, I'd love to know, kind of, you know, that obviously you're saying there, Brian, it mightn't say too much, but like you're, in terms of watching and watching it unfold, you're watching the game, you're analysing it, but are you kind of keeping a little kind of an inward eye or an eye to the left to see how he is, how his body language is, or is it, you know, just it'd be interesting to know, and even the emotion afterwards, you know, in terms of winning and all learning yourself as, as a player and the, the correlation or the contrast and the emotion, I'd love to know. Yeah, sure, look at uh, Derek, um, I, I did suggest to the, the local radio that uh, James Woodlock had been doing a good bit of analysis and I said maybe James should do the matches um, uh, when the seniors were playing and the minors as you know would be playing beforehand so I said I look after the minor and, and James look after the senior and then uh, the lads came back to me and said no we prefer you to do the senior as well Ken so it was just one thing that borrowed another but the leash game I actually went down and sat uh, with Joan and, and the family and uh in that game, it was, a, it was a strange game anyway, you know, from everybody's point of view, and a very unsatisfactory day for Tipperary, really. 
but that's total disrespect I thought to, to Leash as well because they fought you know on their backs and they had huge impetus coming from the Dublin game but I j- Joan said, "You're never sitting here again." You know what I mean? <laughs> because, I, uh, because her ribs, her ribs were sore. Do you know? Because you are poking everybody. It's actually more comfortable, Derek, above yeah, uh, 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 concentrating on the game uh, d- rather than fo- focusing in on Brian totally. Yeah. It's actually you're better off. Which is only human work. nature, if you did. Yeah, you're better yeah. off at work, really, uh, analyzing and uh, you know obviously commentating on the game and things like that it's more comfortable for me than actually being down in the crowd where someone had said behind you you know for F's sake Hogan what are you doing puck it long puck it long as you know probably most you've heard all that before you know so I mean it's just it's just a it's a, a nice feeling emotions were fine yesterday Derek but the Wexford game emotions ran away with me you know because that was you know it was such a comeback in such circumstances and that was the day I suppose a lot of Tipperary people were emotional you know it was a great achievement Dale I just think to acknowledge it like 30 years on from father and son uh, you know, they've come to, to, to win two all Irelands in that in that in the thirty years apart. It must be incredible to be able to look down and and see your son playing in the same position that you were playing. You know, and to win an all Ireland thirty years later. So, congrats to, 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 to the kid because I played against him for for years. You know. Yeah, fairness, no one. You know, I, I would have manned the line against you a couple of times. We never had a crossword really. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really. Not only, really. Only in a hurling sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was it was special and and and. and you know, delighted for Brian and the whole family. It's 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 great, and I think another thing as well. I think this Tipperary team, like we go back to '09, maybe with a lot of them. Like I'm talking, like the Mars, including Bonner, um, Noel McGrath, Shamey. I think they deserved a third medal, really, didn't they? I know the new guys got to probably their first medal, maybe some of them their second, maybe from '16. But I think. You know, they've given us such kind of epics along the way. Some of the Galway games, even think about them. You know, brilliant games of hurling, brilliant piece of skill. And I was kind of delighted, I have to say, that they got that third medal. You know, that they, they, I think in the likes of Brendan Maher, like coming back from the ACL and like what a leader again yesterday. Pick up TJ, no fuss, just watching him walking around the parade and the monitor. Looked as cool as a breeze, a job to do and going to do it. Yeah, probably we'd have all guessed probably too that Brendan was going to take up TJ, you know, because he's a master at that. And, you know, as as you well know, and I suppose we all heard it about Kevin Heffernan, he said he had to have 15 brains on the pitch as well as 15 men. And, you know, Brendan's brain is working overtime. He's just that quicker, you know, in his thought and the way he thinks and the way he moves. And, you know, I, I'm biased in mentioning Patrick Bonner because of his my own club mate. But we were, were broken hearted for Patrick Bonner because he came through, you know, he wasn't heralded as a, as a star. He made that minor team on his own. The hair was down the back, long hair. He was agricultural in the way he went about things. What a man. Do you know, Declan Ryan and Tommy had him as a minor. I'd taken agricultural few of those yeah, if I had him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a man, the way he, you know, fine-tuned his game. And, you know, we talk about him in Laurel because, you know, his uncle Eamon would have been a huge influence on him. But we talk about him, you know, he was brought to the trials. And I, I just remember, you know, uh, a club man of mine saying, he says, you know, Bonner's a freak. Bonner's a freak because his legs, his fitness, his attitude, he just had a will to win and a want to be there. And he's quiet, he's, you know, soft-spoken. But when he went in the pitch and he led from the front, let's face it, from the very board go against Cork, you know, ultimately against Clare and Waterford, he led from the front. And we were actually shocked that he got an ACL because his fitness levels, you know, and uh, the surgeon couldn't believe it when he went for the up. 
You know, his legs were in such condition because he had worked in the gym every day. You know, fitness and hurling is a drug to, to Bonner. And I'm just hoping, please God, that he'll come back to his best again because age, you know, is only but a number. And with Bonner, it surely is because the man is in absolutely superb condition. And he's example to all the rest of the lads as regards how you look after yourself, your fitness levels. But more importantly, I suppose, his humility and the way he carries himself. Uh, is very important and I think everybody felt for him there last night because of the fact you know that he he wasn't part of the final lineup. Yeah, well, I don't know who said it in poetry or whatever. Derek, you might have better chance. Now, but it's not. A, it's it's not. It's not. It's not mended on our titles. It's not titles on our men. It's mended on our titles. And I thought when he lifted that cup yesterday, it was nearly the biggest cheer from the Tipperary crowd around the Hogan Stand area. You know how much he means to the Tip public. He. He, I know Ken said he was agriculture starting off, but we, I tell you, some man isn't he? Like you know, yeah, not there it, yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's a reflection of of not how the game's going, but the realization from even when John Hine, I remember played in and, and Brian Meehan in one of the All Irelands, I think ninety or ninety eight was it? No, I'm not sure about well All Ireland. You know how there's an appreciation now for the guy who brings something different as well. You know, and that's not downplaying Bonner's skill because I've never seen him playing as well as he was. Up to the ACL, you know, and I remember watching him in the first league game this year, or the second league game between Limerick and Tip, and um, down in Limerick, I was saying, "Geez, he's not going as well as he could be." But and then come the summer, then he got a brilliant goal, goal in Ennis, like oh. you know, and and he was really, really, really as well as bringing what he norm, normally brings the hooks, the blocks, the tackles, the 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 ordinariness of his approach, if you like, you know, and that's I think that's the key to his character. Without knowing the chap, you're only looking from afar, and you're kind of saying. He's an ordinary chap, like no big headed, no kind of egotism. You just kind of, and it's only trying to read a situation from afar. And ha- having the hurling as well, there's evidence that his, you know, the way he took the goal on the turn against Clare, he took it into one action around the corner and he was in on goal and finished it brilliantly. So, yeah, look, and, and no matter what anyone says and involves him over the, the probably last night, he'll feel it, but he'll still be naturally enough, you know, it'll be eking away at him saying, you know, next year is my target. Yeah, and that's, that's, uh, Warning for everyone else in Munster. <laughs> and like, there's a lot of talk maybe coming up to it, just sussing out lads that Brendan might be saying after the SEL that might might be the last year of it. But you know, the way he hurled all year, you'd be saying, why wouldn't I go back? You know, especially, and I'm going to touch on this year maybe, you know, and we touched on it last week that Liam got a bit of criticism maybe all year for maybe not throwing in the Jake Morris's, the Joe Browns, all these guys. And yet then in the Wexford game when he was able to run him in all to contribute now it was a beautiful place to be bringing him in yesterday wasn't it mm. with the scoreline but they still like the the absolute pace and the 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 the, the agility of yeah. them coming on on tired bodies was incredible yeah and then we said at the start of the year we were talking about the the, the, the squad and, and maybe that he was sticking he was again I think he's a huge loyalty to the older players and I think he he was sticking by them and he was giving them every chance to, to you know to make sure that they they stayed on the team. Uh, and probably by you know maybe not by choice against Wexford he had no choice to put the young fellas in because with the way with the last twenty minutes he needed fresh legs, but they justified his faith like they came on and they all scored in the in the in the semi final. Yesterday was a different situation, the game was won when they were coming on and you know they could just go up and express themselves, but they still did it. They went in and they scored points you know to, at will, and they all contributed again yesterday. So you know even though he mightn't have been he mightn't have. Um, he mightn't have given them game time early on in the year. He obviously was working away behind the scenes, building their confidence, and, you know, getting them ready for when the chance comes that they were going to be able to take it. Will he definitely stay on, Ken? You know, he, 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 the last time he had three years done, obviously, and then he stopped the drive for five, and that, and I suppose like you're entitled to walk away. Out. Will he? Will he definitely stay on, Liam? Like because I think we all came out. Remember the week after the two ten final, after that twenty one demolition of 
And I said, is this the start of another five in a row attempt here? Because the talent looked unbelievable, like, but it just never came to fruition, I suppose, really. I mean, I'm, I'm very unlucky, I suppose, in, in, in 14 in particular, you know, and I suppose in certain games in the intervening time. But I think for their development, like for having Liam around there now would be just, I mean, the 20s, obviously very good. And obviously Liam Cahill, Mikey Beavins have a great, you know, relationship build up with this bunch of players right up for minor. But uh Important, I think that you know that he would stay on now. I know he's a busy life, and uh, yeah, yeah. And he's he mentioned that last night, you know, about his family. But uh, and Derek alluded to Tenio as well. Declan Kelly is his best friend, you know, Declan is his best friend. And Declan mentioned to him last September, you know, Liam was actually consulted as who he think would be suitable for management for Tipperary. And sure, no more than yourselves when he started. Del- delving in he said fake this I'm going to go for it myself you know but he was on the golf course with, with Declan Kelly and Declan said you'll have to go back Liam and Liam said I'll go back if you sponsor us so, <laughs> so there was no getting out of that one and you know I think that friendship is, is, is very strong since there were two, year, two, years of, two years of age so I think uh, overall he'll be barricaded in Simple Stadium I think he won't be let away this time you, you made a good point about the three year contract the last year, the last time the three year term Liam got a lot of stick before 2010 particularly during the day below in Cork when Satanta went to town right. he got a lot of stick from o- older managers you know uh, of, of the tip era who, who mentioned the fact even that he hadn't walked the steps and things like that which was hugely insulting you were the manager man. just before him weren't you no, uh, I'm afraid not. I know I'm who you're alluding to, well don't back. worry. Yeah, yeah, I'm well back. But no, it was, it was absolutely amazing. Like I'd say Liam had such relief in 2010 to win that All-Ireland with a great group of players, with great management. I, he said, this is, I have enough of this. You know, this, you know the, the stress levels yourself, and particularly in Tipperary, you know, uh, the expectations are always there. So I think it's a different uh, playing field he's on this time. You know, he, he's acknowledged by everybody as, you know, the Messiah after coming again the second coming and to win a lot of those group of players the bond is so t- strong now I think there's no getting him away from it at this stage again he's, he's addicted to it he loves it and you know he, as you say Derek he, all the experiences of, of working with the sports council and things like that have, have stood to him you know I tell you I, I say around midnight last night a couple of texts came into the phone like from romantic carefulers on night of the All-Ireland uh, with a good few jars and I'm saying if Sheedy can do it you can do it Dello <laughs> come back Eva, come back like, they'll be the same fellas they'll be shooting you next June I tell you I and I didn't win one the first time round anyway so <laughs> but it's gas like it's, it's grand at midnight tonight at the All-Ireland after watching Tip win the declare lads saying oh, come on we can do it as well like you know well come here lads to, to, to wrap it uh, I suppose look great we could chat all day about it I suppose and, and a lot of us will chat all day about it and you'll probably be chatting for a good few days about it again uh, you know we're two years into the structure Derek do you know and we've, we've, we've learned a fair bit I think management players they've all learned a fair bit it was I think it was a three year trial was it initially so what do you think working happy with it wasn't as good as last year maybe overall no? like, yeah, well, we got the romantic finish yeah, of course last year wasn't as good as last I think it was, it's been tweaked from year to year I feel like year one to year two and the, the break came in during the Munster Championship the general feeling after 18 was the, the three week in a row wasn't working for a particular team so they, they tried their best to break that I suppose I, I'm still I'm still of the uh, you know the, the debate around the club and, and, and county fixtures I'm still of the debate that maybe perhaps the, there's a still an element of rush to the fi- finishing of of the final even yesterday you know that the first week in September is still 
you know, um, perhaps, you know, dominating my top rate process. But working in general, not working from a personal point of view, and that from Waterford, we didn't come out of the group the last two years. So we're, you know, am I selfishly looking for, you know, a crossover between Munster and Leinster at some regard? I, I always just, the Munster one is so cutthroat that for three teams to come out, you know, it's so difficult to be one of those three teams. And your whole season then is just a, a three-week window in between the middle of May and, and the, the first weekend in June, and you're, you're out of the championship the last two years in a row. But generally working in terms of the of the games, but I think the learning points for everybody, you know, in terms of possibility, not having the semi-finals the same again and stretching it, and giving a definitive club fixtures, even if it means those club fixtures are, listen, we're starting in August, and this is when the club fixtures are starting. Not just, like our, our boys in De La Salle, for instance, went back training the first week in January. They played in April and they didn't play. They won't play again. We'll say they played a couple of weeks ago. But I think you know that staggered season is is not what they want. They just want the kind of a definite, you know, to be playing in August and then they can come back training in April or March or April rather than you know coming back January to play a kind of a staggered. I actually think season. Clare, Clare have a probably better system that yeah, way. You know, they yeah. they played. There's two rounds played now. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew when they were going to be playing. If Clare mm-hmm. got to the All Ireland, that would have been yeah. the one shift in it. And that's why you know you can't have a debate about the intercounty season how it went without involving that because it's just a kind of an elephant. In the room, if you like. Joe, for you, you liking it or? Yeah, I suppose you played, you, you played in all the systems. I suppose really, like, would, did you play back door as well? You did. Uh, no, I never played back door. No, I was I was well gone by then. Um, not too far off. Not no. too far off. It's balanced, though. It's balanced. You're right, sir. It's balanced. <laughs> I think it's don't uh, from an intercounty point of view. Look at you say, as Derek said. I think there's a there's the, at the end of it. It's very rushed. We've won hurling game in August, you know, and I think that I prefer a situation where, you know, that's a marketing point of view to, to promote the game. Hurling is now finished in the county level and there's, there's no more. So, but from a, from a club point of view, it's extremely difficult and frustrating from a the club player when he's not sure what he's going to be playing. We have a slightly different in Cork, that we, we played around in April and now it's, 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 it's back again. I don't know, I, I suppose I'm being the old traditionist, like the All Ireland final on the first Sunday in September, like the, I still prefer to see the All Ireland semi finals on separate weekends, even though we have this year, it was the last two years have been brilliant. I still prefer, I think, from a just from a, a marketing, I suppose, point of view and a promotional point of view, the more Sundays that you have playing, the better from that point. But again, if you're a club player and you know you're down there, you're watching this, you're trying to look after your club and trying to perform, it's it's very frustrating. And the fixtures committee that are that are meeting have a difficult job in trying to trying to trying to balance everything. And I think, but from a, an intercounty point of view, the question about the system and the competitions are working. It's been very good. The last two years has been, you know, last year was. The start was, or the, the year that was in it was incredible. Um, and it was always going to be a challenge to be as good. But we had some great matches this year, really. Yeah, particularly semi finals with Justin Troll and like, but a couple of, couple of quick things and that before you go to Ken. Um, do you know, um, you're on about the, the, the old system. I actually am I'm a, I'm a fan of the semi final weekend now because they're two separate days. I think it's a massive buzz in Dublin. I think we take over the weekend from football. My big problem is the Munster final and Leinster final on the same day. There's one I, just, that's yeah, a, I, I think yeah. people would absolutely love to go. But it, I was just doing a couple of notes in the hotel last night, you know, uh, before I went out for an hour. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why are you laughing at me, Grant? <laughs> but uh, no, but this, this lovely couple came over and myself and your man had a great chat, but he brought over the young lad, Tommy, to sign the jersey. Sign and tip jerseys now, can I tell you? This is an unusual situation <laughs> for me. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what he wanted me in the middle of it for, but he knew me. The young lad had no clue, but I said, half day tomorrow now for you. And Shaman said, no school, sure. Do you know, and that's just our tradition, isn't it? Uh, we, we, we would associate that bringing the cups to the school straight away. Yeah, and I suppose, um, I think we're on dangerous territory at the moment with the club uh, county situation. 
And uh, you got a little bit of a stick, Derek, for mentioning about, about young fellas nowadays are bright individuals, educated individuals. But you have a great point because these fellas are smart lads. Uh, we're all on social media. Everybody's communicating. Everybody knows what's going on. You know, any with, with, with a junior B game below in, in Waterford, we know the score if we want to uh, tune into it. I think it's very frustrating. Um, funny enough, today... Uh, even in the month of August trying to get hotel accommodation there was just barely enough for the players that's my excuse Larry for being late uh, today because we were over in Ballsbridge we had to stay over in Ballsbridge because there's literally no rooms here but I think I'd, I'd be with your I think the 1st of September is all Ireland day I'm a traditionalist in that viewpoint I have no problem with the, the weekend Saturday and Sunday um, but from the club point of view it's totally frustrating I think it defeats the whole purpose Derek that De La Salle or Laura or Finbars or, or, you know, Claire Castle will be back training in January. And here we are in September playing our first or second game. And guys, you know, the whole summer hanging around, you know, twiddling their thumbs. I think there needs to be a proper balance. I think if the GAs sit down, there's loads of guys there that can you know, tease it out and eke it out and have a happy medium for everybody. But at the moment, it's totally unsatisfactory for the, for the vast majority of our players who are genuine club guys. And we have to keep the home fires burning. It's as simple as that. They don't even go into schools. Just back to the point that was made. Like going to the schools, like back in Tipperary, if, if you're going to the schools, the, the trip around the schools for the next couple of weeks, the impact on, that would have on kids can playing the game. Whereas by the time they, if they if they go over with the cup anymore, it's in two or three weeks' time, and maybe the whole thing is after, you know, has maybe would have, its impact would have been lost, and I I think it's all part of a bigger picture. That I think that's you know again the cup going to the schools is huge, like in the excitement and now like about it. Whereas now you've got to wait three or four weeks for it. Happens. Probably agreed. We we like we like the, the system, but the dates could be uh, tweaked, tweaked a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way that's the way to put it, I suppose. Uh, Les, thanks a million. You, you've been you've been the mainstay of the pod. Uh, Gerald Derrick Kin been with us so often as well, along with likes of TJ. It was great crack to have Kyle Hayes. You know, young curler of the year last week. It was just a great buzz to have him there. I thought it was just to get us take us out of our own minds anyway and <laughs> bring it back to Kyle talking about a championship haircut uh, on the Saturday before last year. You know, so it was great and uh, really hard to believe it's it's over already. Uh, it's just fl- flown by. Huge congrats to you, Ken. Um, Great champions, great champions of the year. Set your style out from the 12th of May uh, down in Cork and uh, deserve champions at the end of the day. And thanks very much out there for listening. Leave us a review um, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. With Renault, passion for what drives you. Official car partner of the GAA. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.